Praise the Lord. Well, we are growing apostolic legacy. And um, we're thankful for all of you that are here. And we have um, a subject tonight. I'm going to just stay in the book of Psalms, but the subject that was um, written many uh, over uh, 3,000 years ago, or the almost 3,000, that was written by David, a, a favorite chapter of mine, but it is about stress. And how many have ever heard the word stress before? Few of you? Okay. And I have then, how many have heard it more than once? Okay. So, all right. So you all are pretty much experts on the subject of stress. So I have a little test. Um, got a lovely card from Donna from Georgia. And uh, she said, well, the Bulldogs won too. And she's been watching us online whenever I had mentioned Sunday night that Ohio State won. So she was reminding me that the dogs are one step ahead of us here. <clears throat> but anyway, um, so we've all heard uh, stress. And um, maybe you've called it blowing a gasket. I don't know. Um, uh, frustration, anger, um, a lot of the worlds, <clears throat> and, and not necessarily bad, but um, many of the ways, and when I was in um, um, graduate school back, way back in the ancient days in the 70s, late 70s and early 80s, uh, they talked about stress and they did <clears throat> what they called biofeedback. And um, it was to heat, it was to hook your body bio, meaning biology feedback, uh, up to sensors and practice relaxing and making the hands warmer. And uh, <clears throat> some were able to get good enough that they could make one finger warmer and one finger stay the same and another finger warm and, and uh, just practice it with training. And, and uh, <clears throat> that actually decreased stress because it increase the blood flow to your extremities. And so you had to kind of practice relaxing and they used to have, um, it became real popular in the 70s, 80s, uh, what they called mood rings. Anybody ever heard of a mood ring? And they had, we had, I remember we had cards that had uh, this little mood sensor on it. And it was designed so that you hold it in your hand, and if your hands were warm, it would change colors. It would go blue or green or red. And so you would practice with that. And uh, the idea, the physiology behind it, was that you were increasing the blood flow. And so you were much calmer when you got mad and you're... Uh, this old sense of fight and flight. Uh, when you are about ready to fight, well, the blood senses that and comes to the inside of the body and leaves the hand 
cold and uh, you might feel hot under the collar uh, because the blood is flowing up to your brain and uh, because it's trying to get you ready, you're going to have to fight somebody. You're mad. You're going to have to protect somebody or, you know, protect yourself or whatever. So there were a lot of uh, <clears throat> um, things that we would talk about relaxation. And ironically, the Bible, believe it or not, many years before Isaiah and other prophets prophesied, for with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to his people, Isaiah the 28th chapter, saying, this is the rest. And now, of course, we have seen the scientific evidence of from the university in, uh, in uh, Pennsylvania where they hooked people up that were praying and that were meditating and that were speaking in tongues and uh, the rest and the calm and the, the flow of blood in the body. So there's physiological or physical evidence that something happens as you are plunge into the Holy Ghost and go into the presence of Almighty God. And so it, it may seem to you to be a, uh, well, why, what's the big deal? Coming and raising your hands and worshiping and praying through. It's actually uh, kind of uh, 10 times better than just uh, crossing your legs and getting down and going home. If you talked in tongues for just about five minutes, just got lost in the spirit, that's better than meditating on all kinds of things. Now, the other's not bad. I'm not saying it's bad. We, we did progressive relaxation where you, uh, you know, relax your forehead, relax your face, relax your jaw, tighten your jaw, relax your jaw, tighten your hands, relax your hands, and go through all of that. And people will say, when you get angry, what should you do? Count to 10. Why? They're trying to get you to ah, take a deep breath and de-stress. But I have a very important question. You all know all of that. That's, that's, that's uh, not new. Next, next slide. Which of these two statements is true? Number one, there is no such thing as stress. Number two, Stress is a major factor in our society today. Now, how many think number one is true? Couple of you. How many think number two is true? Okay. How many think both of them are true? That's exactly right. Both are true. There is no such thing as stress. I mean... You don't go to the doctor and he goes, okay, you have COVID, pneumonia, cancer in your right leg, and stress. He didn't find stress. He just assumes you have stress. Because if you have COVID, pneumonia, cancer in your right leg, you're probably stressed. Huh? But you can't measure stress. It's, it's a word like love. You know, you can't go and have the doctor take it out of you. You can't, 
get operated on. And it's one of those words that I've often used when people say, how do you know there's a God? Why do you believe in a God? I, you can't see God. You can't touch God. You say you feel God, but I don't, think, I don't feel God. And I go, well, guess what? How do you know you have stress? How do you know you're in love? You don't, you know, you don't have a, doctor can't go in and go, okay, uh, we see a little stress over here on your right side. We're going to go in and remove that. You're going to be fine. You get that stress out of your jaw, man, you'll be, you'll be doing good. Why? <laughs> because, you know, it is one of those things that we produce, <laughs> It's internal. Now we can all point to something external that may be causing it. We can say, well, that's the reason I'm stressed. This is the reason I'm, if, if he wouldn't, if she wouldn't, if they wouldn't, if inflation, if it, the economy, those things are why I'm stressed. And yet, there are those that have had similar situations and they're not stressed. And I've, I, I may have told this story before, but when I was working for a nonprofit counseling center, we had, uh, we, we had, we did, uh, had numerous clients that was there in town professionally and and uh, I had three chairs in my office, and they were kind of seated in a triangle form, and I sat in one, and there was a chair to my left and a chair to my right, and true story. I made it to the office. The secretary was there. As I walked in, it was a little after eight, and you'd normally first client was about nine, and, and she said, uh, we have an emergency situation. You probably need to uh, go ahead and and uh, take this, and I'll bump the rest of your clients as long as you need. And and uh, I said okay. And and uh, she ushered a lady into the office, and she sat. I sat in a chair, and she sat to my right, and and she was shaking, and she was crying, and she couldn't stop crying, and and wringing her hands, and suicidal, and she was. Uh, hadn't I haven't slept since Friday, and I'm I'm at my breaking point, and I, I'm ready to end it all. And I, you know, I I I've got to get help. And she went on and on, and I finally managed to find out what happened Friday. What was the big thing? Was her husband left her? He came in, got his stuff. She came home, and he went out the door, and he left, and. She was overwhelmed, and sadly, I could not get her off of the ledge. We had to finally call for an ambulance, transport her to an inpatient facility where uh, they began helping her, and, and uh, she was there 10 or 12 days, and then got out, and we continued on. What was... Ironic 
was the very same day. Uh, in the afternoon, um, one of the clients that I had came in. She was smiling. She was laughing. She was excited. Her first words were, I think this will be our last session. I don't think I need you anymore. I think it's amazing. I feel better than I've felt. And um, wow, she sat on the chair to my left and she said, I said, what, what happened? True story. She said that blankety blank blank of a husband of mine finally left. And I said, would you mind sitting in that chair on the right? And she said, what? And I said, no, I'm just, I, I'm kidding. I, and I didn't tell her what had happened earlier that very morning. But she felt like a relief. The weight of the world was off her shoulders. That terrible guy had walked out of the door. And her life was looking up. And um, I just, it was like this lesson was drilled home that it's not what happened, it's how you perceive what this means and how much it produced such an amazing, overwhelming response to the one that was negative and to the other one, it was like, thank God Almighty, free at last. I'm free at last. Now, <clears throat> David was going through some sort of stress. So when you look at there is no such thing as stress, is no measurable thing of stress, and that, yes, stress is a major factor, and we've all heard it, we've all felt it, and just saying, well, you shouldn't have it is like saying be warm or be fed or just think yourself full, and it's not that easy. But David, Psalms 37, and you're this familiar psalm, and you'll recognize it as we kind of go through it. But David said it like this, fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. Now, what was his stressor, would you say? What was producing stress in David? Evildoers and workers of iniquity. He was looking, his eyes were not on the Lord, his eyes were not on what God was doing, but he was looking around him and he had found a lot of evildoers and workers of iniquity. And my guess is you don't have to look very far these days to find those. You understand? And so he said, don't fret. Don't be anxious. Don't have anxiety. You know what fret means. And then he goes on to say, for they shall soon be cut down at the, like the grass and wither as the green herb. And then he says a, powerful verse 
We've uh, read it in various forms in David's writings uh, more than once, but he says, trust in the Lord and do something else. Do good. That's hard, you know? Hard to trust, hard to keep doing good when people have been doing you wrong. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Not easy to do the good. <laughs> it's hard to keep trusting the Lord. He says, so shall thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. So uh, the verse basically means trust and obey. Trust and obey. Then he goes on in verse 4. He goes on, not only should you trust in the Lord, not only should you do good, but then what's the next thing that you need to do? Delight thyself in the Lord. Now, how do you delight yourself in the Lord? What is it that makes it delightful? When you put a smile on your face, when you clap your hands, oh, I'm so good to see him. That's such a great thing. If you were going to see the game, whether it was the Bulldogs or the Buckeyes or the Tide, oh, I'm delight. I'm going to cheer. I'm going to stand. I'm going to go, you know, hook them horns, roll tide, whatever it is, bite their leg, dogs. In Arkansas, it was woo pig suey. Whatever it is, delight, have fun, make, make a joyful noise. Huh? I don't feel like it. I'm stressed. You don't understand. I'm stressed, Pastor. Well, you're going to have to quit fretting. You're going to have to trust in the Lord, do good, obey. Then you're going to have to delight. And now this is how David was teaching to get rid of it. Now what was causing his was evildoers. You may say, well, it's the Democrats, or it's the Republicans, or it's the hour we're living in, or it's <clears throat> fill in the blank, the, my boss at work, my job, the people that I have to deal with. He said, delight yourself in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of thy heart. Now, I put here, not transient, but fixed. Now, now what do I mean by that? I mean... <clears throat> You know, heart's desires. What are your heart's desires? Well, for most of us, those change pretty frequently. And I know, you know, people have talked about how, you know, kids, you know, want to be a pirate when they grow up or they want to be a fireman or a policeman or a, a whatever. And... Um, you know, then we get older and, and uh, we want to have the latest phone. And then guess what they do? They come out with a new iPhone 14. And it's cooler and neater and more awesome. And an Apple Watch 78. And, a, and it, it's got all the bells and whistles. It can drive your car and... and shut down the power grid in New York City and right here, man, I got to have that. Huh? And the new TV, it's not just uh, 
788, but it's 1048 and 427940 and curved and bent and huh? And oh, if I could just have one of those, man, oh man. If I could have the PlayStation 673, wow, with the special goggles that light up, man, oh man. There's no end to it. And so when it says, trust in the Lord and he shall give thee the desires of your heart, there are desires that go beyond transient things. Most of the things that people get into where they really want, if I had a new car, if I had a new house, if I had a new husband, if I had a new wife, if I had new kids, if I had... Unfortunately, most of that is temporary. And the Lord will put some desires in there for his word, for his presence. You see what I'm saying? That man, I can't wait to be in the house of the Lord. I can't wait to read the word. He will put new desires in there. And so here he goes on. He says, commit thy way unto the Lord. Now that word commit in the Hebrew, you can click it. If you have blueletterbible.com, you can put Strong's Concordance. It's Gala or G-A-L-A. It's uh, Hebrew Strong's uh, number 1556. Punch it and read what it says. It says, to roll over upon. And the first time it was used is back in Genesis, the 29th chapter, where they rolled a stone over the mouth of a well, well, where they were wanting to water sheep. And so they would roll this stone over on top of the well. And Jacob had them roll the stone and then watered the flocks of Laban. Remember the story, Genesis, the 29th chapter. And it uses that same word. They gala the stone. They roll. So when he says, commit thy way unto the Lord, what does that mean? Roll it up on him. Let him help you carry it. Oh, man. Say, Lord, I can't do this anymore. I'm committing You know, and when you roll your cares on him, there's just something about what he does immediately. The rest, the peace. You know, Lord, I, I can't do this. If you want me here, if you want me in this job, if you want me to pay this bill, you're gonna, if, if this is what you want, if not, I'm going to roll it on you. I... Romans 8th chapter and the 28th verse is a New Testament verse that kind of talks about that. What is, it? What is, what is Romans 8, 28? Some of y'all can quote it by memory. I didn't write it out. What does it say? What's that? Yeah. 
Romans 8, 28, what is it? That's close. But anybody have it? All things. For I am, what? Persuaded. I've committed it. I've committed all my way unto the Lord. And guess what? All things are going to work together. I don't know how he's going to do it, but I can't wait to see the miracle because it's going to turn out good. Why? Because I've committed it to the Lord. There are other verses. Commit thy ways to him and all these things. And so here, David says, commit. And then he said, he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light, as the judgment, as the noonday. Rest in the Lord. Wait patiently for him. Rest. That's that. Relax. Here it is in the Bible. After you do all that committing and you have those promises, he's going to do it. I don't know how, but he's going to bring it forth like the noonday. And then I simply rest in the Lord and wait patiently. And we sing it. I'm going to wait on you, Jesus. And I don't like that song because I don't like having to wait, but I need to hear it every time we sing it. Huh? Because I get impatient. <clears throat> and you got to pray for me because I get impatient if I go through the drive through at McDonald's. And if they start taking all the orders from that other side of the line, I'm just like, oh my goodness. And y'all don't have that problem. See, that's me. My wife would say, you got to thank the Lord. Just thank the Lord because he's delaying us for some reason. Wait patiently for him. And then it goes back to the fret not thyself because of him that prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked devices to pass. So basically that last phrase there, you're either going to choose rest or stress. Because you can't have stress and have rest at the same time. So you got to make up your mind. Okay, do I want to stress about this or do I want to rest in the Lord? So I'm going to commit it all to him. Whew, hallelujah. Eighth verse, powerful verse, lot in it, lot in all of these verses. Then he says this, cease from anger. Oh, but that goofy lady up there's taking three from that side and one. Cease from anger. Forsake wrath. You know what anger is in that in the Hebrew? 
It's AP, op. It's Hebrew Strong's H639, and it means nostrils, your nose. The first time it was used in the Bible is in Genesis, the second chapter, where it says, and God breathed into the nostrils of Adam the breath of life, breathed into the app the breath of life. And so he says, cease from nose. You know what he's basically doing? He said, take the flare out of your nose. Because when I start, <clears throat> my face tightens up and, those nose gets wide. Not y'all, huh? He said, don't be doing that. Don't get wide-nosed on me. <laughs> Cease from nose. <laughs> Forsake wrath. Wrath is hema. Hebrew number 2534. It means being poisoned. I want to tell you something. Anger will poison you. That's why the Lord says in the prayer, forgive us our debts as we for. Well, they don't deserve forgiveness. They've never done anything that I, that, that they've, they're still acting like they're, a jerk. I'm not forgiven. They can, if they ask me nice, I might. All you're doing is poisoning your own system. If you eat them for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, you wonder why it tastes bad in your mouth? Well, let me tell you. Quit eating them. Let it alone. Forgive them. Go forward. Well, I know they don't deserve it, but at some point, he said, forsake the poison, fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. And then I put the acronym, and you've heard us teach on it, A-H-E-N, anger. It's like a hen, but behind all anger is H, which is, stands for what? Hurt. Behind all hurt is some expectation. Behind that is some need. What do I mean? You can't be angry unless you were hurt about something. And you won't be hurt unless you have an expectation. What do you mean? Well, nobody in here tonight is angry because I didn't offer them some saltwater taffy. Because nobody in here expected me to be offering saltwater taffy. You understand? You didn't have an expectation. You, you can't be angry about it. You might be angry because you don't like what I'm preaching about. You might be angry because you don't like the lesson. You might be angry for a lot of other reasons, but you won't be angry because of saltwater taffy. Because you had no expectation until I just mentioned it. Now you're beginning to wonder, does he have saltwater taffy? Because I'm building a little bit of an expectation. And if I had a big bag of all colored saltwater taffy and I started going around passing it around and, hey, do you like it? Oh, that's great. Here, try some. And then I skipped your row. 
And I walked up and I gave some to those to your left and those to your right and I didn't offer you some. Now you've got a little expectation. I, I can't believe it. He was passing out candy and just, what does he think? That hurt. Now I can leave angry. I'm never coming back. He, he totally ignored me. Huh? Now I know that's a wild example, but I, I've heard people say, he didn't shake my hand, they didn't call my name. Huh? Not here. But do you understand? Once you get an expectation, I mean, it's like the publisher's clearinghouse sweepstakes. Nobody really expects to win. So you're not really angry when they don't call your name. Now, if they called you and said, hey, we're coming down tomorrow and you're going to get a check, and then they called up and said, oh, sorry, made a mistake. Man, who do I sue? Who do I call up right now? I quit my job. I divorced my wife. I, all these things I did, and now you're telling me I didn't win it? Oh, man. Now I'm mad. So whether that anger is expressed or internal, and depression is anger turned inside, and you don't have any place to express it, you turn it inside. Depressed people are really some of the most angry people when you really begin to visit with them and talk to them because they're angry at the way life treated them and what's gone on and what's happened. And the hurt, 90% of it is about what hurt me. Uh, maybe even more, maybe 95%. I mean, very rarely do we get hurt about what somebody else has done. Now, there are stories in the Bible. When David heard Goliath, he was mad because he was challenging God. And it hurt his feelings. Are you telling me that nobody's willing to go out there and defend God's reputation? David didn't go out there because you called me a scrawny little lad and I'm here to tell you you're not going to talk to me that way. You, you understand? He was angry because it hurt him the way Goliath was talking about God's people. But that's rare. You know, most of the time when we get angry, it's because... We feel slighted because they, somebody did something to me. I mean, you know, it, there, there are occasions when we may get offended or hurt about the way somebody else is treated, but most of the time it's about me. And sometimes, you know, my expectations are unrealistic. Sometimes they're not even in the ballpark. Sometimes they're very realistic. And it's very difficult to know, you know, and that's when talking to somebody and maybe finding out, am I, is my expectation real or unreal? You know, I, uh, at times I, I, I have actually believed that whenever they built Highway 161 into Columbus, they made a lane just for me to drive in. And I can't believe all these people come over into my lane. And that's a little unrealistic. 
far as I know, the governor didn't ask me about making me a lane. It's kind of open to whosoever will. And uh, yet, you, you understand what I'm saying. So there are realistic expectations and unrealistic, and sometimes you can change those. And then need, the last one, and uh, Paul was in prison when he wrote the book of Philippians. And what did he say in Philippians 4.19? Somebody ought to really be able to quote this one for sure. What did he say? My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in heaven. So what are you saying? I'm saying, don't worry. You, you know, if you've really got a need, I know a God that'll supply that need. I don't care what it is. He's put, he's put coins in the fish's mouth. I, I, and I, I know my time's about up, but I, I don't want to go into a lot of detail. I know we're still online and it's all right. But <clears throat> I was down at the Sweet Corn Festival, uh, came in Saturday and, and went down and um, I uh, was talking to a few people and met uh, a gentleman that came with uh, someone from our church. First time I'd ever met him. And I've seen him. He's come in a couple times. And I, if we weren't online, I'd tell you who it was. It's not a big secret. But uh, he works with a man who worked where they used to work. And they're redoing a whole building. And, and they had brand new furniture, brand new office furniture, brand new benches. And, and he said, I was just thinking when I came in your foyer and I saw it, you might be able to use some of this furniture and, and call me up. And last night I went and there's four or $5,000 worth of stuff that we can use in our foyer and our prayer room. I want to tell you something. No, no, he, I said, well, how much I'll pay? Oh no, no pastor. I want you to have it. You come get some guys tomorrow, come and get it. And you can just use, oh my God. I'm not talking about last month, last year, yesterday. I went and it's, and it's amazing stuff. It's not, oh, you know, I was just blown away. I, I was overwhelmed because I said, wow, here's somebody that I basically just met. It's not a member of our church. Connected. <laughs> comes and says, I saw it. I thought, man, this would work great. I'm like, whoo, hallelujah. Let me tell you, that's how big God is. I wasn't praying for it. I wasn't asking God. I didn't manipulate him. I didn't call him up and say, hey, are you going anywhere? Were you? I didn't. But you know what? God is able. God is able. Oh, hallelujah. And, and my mom and dad are sitting over there and they can tell you numerous stories of situations in Lone Oak and other things that God just performed a miracle. Back to Psalms 37, because this whole chapter is great. Uh, For evildoers shall be cut off, but those that wait upon the Lord shall inherit the earth. For yet a little while the wicked shall not be. Yea, they shall be diligent 
Lee considered his place, and it shall not be. But the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves, delight themselves in the abundance of peace. The wicked plots against the judgment, the just, and gnashes their teeth. I don't care how bad this world gets. We serve a God that's greater, more powerful. I don't care if they plot against us, if they gnash their teeth. Verse 13, the Lord shall laugh, for he seeth his day coming. Wicked have drawn out a sword. They've put up their bow. And you know what? They're trying to kill the poor and needy. That's the key, though. Lord, I need you. When you act like I don't need God, you're going to get stressed because you're going to need him at some point. You might as well make up your mind tonight. I need thee. Oh, I need thee. Every few weeks, months, year, uh, every hour, I need thee. Oh, bless me now. My Savior, why? I, I'm poor and needy. <laughs> and, and he said, their sword will cut their own heart. Little that a righteous man has is better than the riches of many wicked. <sighs> Woo! Little as much. Huh? And I've said it and I will say it, repeat it. I would rather have my children working in the lowest wage job and have God than to be working, making six figures, seven figures, eight figures a year and not have God. Why? Because little is much. You know, and he goes on, and I know my time is about up, and uh, you can read through Psalms, the 20, <clears throat> the 37th chapter, verse 20, uh, three, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Though he fall, he shall not utterly be cast down, for the Lord will uphold him. What does it say? Seven times. What does he do? Keep getting up again. Hallelujah. Next slide. And says, de verse 27, depart from evil. Here it is again. Do good. Dwell forevermore. And verse 31, the law of the Lord is in his heart. None of his steps shall slide. David in Psalms 119 says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not. Then he comes back over that, wait on the Lord, wait on the Lord, wait on the Lord. Oh, hallelujah, 8 o'clock. What are you saying? There's a lot there. Read Psalms 37 if you're stressed. Or just say, I don't have stress. It's not real. Well, I'm telling you how to really fix it, even if you don't have it. 
is to plug into the Word. Keep delighting in the Lord, rejoicing in the Lord. You say, but I'm angry. I'm hurt. I've been done wrong. I know. The line starts somewhere behind Jesus. When he gets all his ways taken care of, well, then you can complain next. <clears throat> and when I start thinking about where the line starts, I start going, well, you know what? I really don't, I'm not quite hurt as bad as somebody putting a crown of thorns on my head that should be wearing a crown. My head, you know, there's no crown whenever. If I die tomorrow and you're not going to have 10 days of mourning and horses drawing my carriage and a crown and a flag. But you know what? One of these days when I get to heaven, for a minute or two, I'll have it. Then I'll put it down at his feet and say, you know what? It's all right. <laughs> I am glad to be in the presence of the King of Kings. Let's stand. Hallelujah.